Welcome back to the Desert Springs Church Podcast. It exists to supplement the ministry and growth of the body here at Desert Springs Church. However, this week's episode, I'm not sure how supplemental or growth-inducing it will be as we're about to break every rule for Thanksgiving dinner and for your first date. And we're going to talk about politics and religion. So my name's Drew. I'm here with Chase and Ryan. And first, a disclaimer. Uh, A lot of our podcasts, we go into areas that we would consider second or third order issues. So we're going to wade into waters of Christian liberty on much of what we talk about today. So we're speaking as pastors. We care for our church body, and we want to see our church grow in this area of political engagement. We are not experts, so we will speak carefully, and we'll speak in a lot of generalities, and we'll speak in principles, and that's to hopefully not wrongfully bind anyone's consciences where the Word of God does not. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to go above or below the Word of God when it comes to things like politics. So we're going to make a deal with you, the listener. We'll speak gently and carefully, and you can listen graciously, and we can assume the best out of each other. Does that sound good, guys? Sounds good. Sounds good to me. All right. Good preface. Cool. So first question, Ryan, why are politicians and pastors so similar? Oh, I wasn't (laughs) expecting this question. (laughs) We didn't prep for this. Uh, (laughs) They are similar in their vocations in a sense. Mm. Um, They're public people. They speak, and they speak ideas, and they try to persuade. Yeah. All those things are um, overlapping both preachers and politicians. You and I have had this conversation before. It's kind of funny to to think, because the the phrase, pastors are not politicians. We do not want to be politicians, but there are some similarities, too. Yeah. Preachers are sometimes asked, what would you do if you weren't a preacher? Uh, And I think probably the most common answer is either a politician or a lawyer, because those are pretty similar to the pastorate, apart from the whole thing of God. <laughs> the content doesn't have to be God yes. uh, in politics or law, and it certainly does in the ministry. But as far as the form of what you're doing and what occupies your time, studying, communicating, uh, persuading, um, yeah, there's a lot of overlap. Well, I, could, I think in both cases, too, you're trying to think about the best interests of a group of people yeah. that you're trying to lead and care for. Yeah, at and, their best, their, their servantry kind of vocations. That's yeah. right. And politics, yeah, it's very core, is just our public life together and how we work together for the common good. So let's get into first question, first real question. That one was a bonus. Uh, that one's for free. Um, how important are politics? It's just big banner questions, and you guys can drill down. Are, are politics important, um, or are they not important at all? Like, should Christians like not concern themselves at all with it, or um, or should maybe some Christians be more concerned with politics? Hmm. Yeah, I think it does depend, important to whom. You know, I think for some people, it's way too important, and I think for other people, they could be thinking about it a bit more, but it kind of helps to have in your mind, what is politics? Like you said, it's um, it's the, the way that we organize our society and our public life uh, that we think is the most strategic and advantageous either for our own interests or hopefully not only for our own interests, but for other people, you know, that we're, uh, I think we should be engaging in politics in a way that we're, we're thinking this promotes the public welfare, you know, that, that we're all living in the society together. So I think some people, uh, you know, I know this was certainly my case as I was kind of growing up, I was just kind of fed up with politics, you know, and, um, 
stayed really disengaged from politics for a long time. And, and I had uh, several brothers and sisters kind of confront me in that, that I was not interested enough in this that I needed to take it because I was, regardless of whether I cared about it, I was part of it. I was part of the polis, you know, the city, the public life. And so I needed to take a more active interest in it. Yeah. So what could it look like for politics to be too important? You said, Chase, that for some people, maybe it is too important. What are some dangers of it being too important? I suppose for some, it's a matter of how much time it consumes and how much emotional energy it consumes. Yeah. Um, especially for some people, it consumes an inordinate amount of time uh, for how much influence they actually have. Mm-hmm. So many have said that today politics is um, it's our sport, it's our pastime, and that's probably not good. So, I mean, I think some of us uh, watch political news or subscribe to political podcasts in a way that more resembles the way people follow sports in uh, less about what it really what what is actually happening and what does matter and what can I influence. Uh, for most of us, if we disengaged from our podcasts and news watching, nothing would change in the country mm. <laughs> or even in our community. Yeah. Um, and so we've just got to keep in mind just we, we play a, a, a small part in a sense, but it's not an unimportant part when we play it for real. Right. And I mean, play it for real. Like, so yeah, uh, vote, get involved, um, have uh, opinions, um, maybe even get involved on uh, a more local level um, beyond the, you know, once every four years presidential race. That's where we have tremendous influence, I think. And, you know, for the Christian to totally neglect what happens in the city uh, and only care about presidential politics, which only generally only change every four to eight years. Um, that's, a, that's just a missed opportunity. So it's, we're got, we've got the emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> yeah. And, and so think- you transitioned there well, Ryan, to what it could look like to, uh, for politics to not be important enough. And Chase, you mentioned you were kind of disenfranchised with it, and I was too. I think we're from that generation where we just were over it. And yeah, and I was a wake me, wake me when it's time to vote for president. That was my engagement in politics. I, on the other hand, in fifth grade, had a pin that I would wear on my clothes of Ollie North. You guys don't know who Ollie North is? No. Okay. You just aged yourself. Yeah, that's all right. Look Uh, it up later. Well, everybody everybody knows now. Google it, kids. And so I had to learn uh, that politics, yeah, was more than just this uh, national level vote for the president every four years or vote uh, against pro-choice movements or whatever. If, if you know, if there was a pro-choice or an abortion issue on the ballot, then that's what we cared about and we cared about the president because, um, uh, yeah, for various reasons. But, but for me, uh, as I've grown and particularly in this last year, how can we say that local government isn't? important yeah. and doesn't infect our daily lives. You mean with COVID? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, with these regulations and uh, and our interactions with our governor, um, yeah, I've become much more political mm-hmm. uh, and much more politically engaged and minded. And, and I think, I hope in a healthy way uh, to where I see, oh, actually, this does affect our lives. It does affect um, others. And we should, and we should care um, care enough to to be engaged and to act and to move. Um, I want to introduce uh, this category that I'm calling political triage. Uh, Ryan, you spoke about this in our prep time. Um, 
this idea that that not all political issues are the same. And so so some policies, some uh, politics are just going to be more important than others. Can you guys agree with that? Yeah. Elaborate on that? Sure. Yeah. So I think it's kind of coming from the same idea with theological triage, which we use in our membership class, that uh, there are certain issues of doctrine that um, we would say this this draws a line around who is and who is not a Christian. And then there's second order issues that uh, Christians can disagree, but it might be really significant enough that we would organize our churches around these different categories. And then third order issues are the ones that in the same church, we can just have different opinions on that. So you're issues saying- Issues of that, conscience, Christian liberty. Yeah, right, right. And so you're saying politically, there are certain things where we should draw those lines differently. And I think that's a great metaphor because when it comes to, to doctrine, some people really want to draw the lines, like treat everything like it's a first order issue, that this is a mark of orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. And other people want to treat everything like it's just open season. You know, these are all third order issues and we can just... Nothing is essential. Yeah, right. Nothing is, is essential to our doctrine. So we could do the same thing with politics yeah. then. We can make everything a first order political issue um, or we can make nothing a political... So that's the two sides of that coin of too important, not mm-hmm. important enough. Uh, so... So help us help us think through what could some of these different categories be. Classic example would be abortion. Right. So right. our listeners are going to be thinking, okay, abortion, that's got to be that's going to be first order, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Political issue. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, because because the Bible's got a really clear command for it. Maybe that's kind of our category for what makes a, something a first order issue. The Bible is really clear that murder is wrong, right. and I think the Bible is also clear that life begins at conception. So right. abortion yeah. would be murder, which would be wrong. So I think all Christians should say, yes, this is should be against that. non-negotiable. We should not be yep. for abortion. Yeah, yeah. agree. Yeah, second order issues would be uh, something along the lines of immigration. Uh, so someone could have Bible verses for welcoming the immigrant. Yep. And others could use verses to, to talk about protection and, uh, you know, um, geographic boundaries and things like that. Yeah, trying to trying to put a Bible verse to every vote or every policy uh, can be can be tricky. But we do want to have categories of biblical principles versus political policies. So not just looking at the policies, but looking at biblical principles, and then how we can assign uh, triage value to the political principles based on our biblical principles. And I think yeah. it's a bit more complex than that because so take go back to abortion. You know, we can all agree that murder is wrong, but then part of politics is, uh, it's not, it's not just making a, politics is not making value statements. Politics is making wise judgments and, uh, they're, they're often very strategic. And so some people can have different opinions about the best way to bring about an end to abortion, for example. So yeah. some so some people might take a posture that anything but just a categorical opposition to anything that even has the word abortion in it, that's the stance that I want to take. When somebody else might say it might actually lead to a better outcome if we took a more moderate approach to abortion, okay. you know, that if yeah. we made certain exceptions, that might actually bring about the end of this thing that I'm also opposed to. But, but there's different... Uh, there's different means to get to the ends. And I think when it comes to politics, sometimes we are asking, are these means, we're, we're not just dif- dis- disagreeing about the ends, we're disagreeing about the means often. Yep. But I think there's room for disagreement and discussion about what are the wise means to some of these things that we agree on are the ends. Yeah. Absolutely. What I've, uh, how I've worded it before is that 
we shouldn't fault uh, a Christian who is simply doing simple math, one plus one equals two, when it comes to abortion. This is pro-life, this is pro-choice, I'm going pro-life. I don't fault anyone for that. Nope. On the other hand, I don't fault anyone who feels like they're doing a little bit more of a chess match. If they think that in the end it is pro-life, I can't fault them for saying this move may not seem like one plus one equals two to some, but in my mind, this is for the, the greater good. And, uh, and we're all going to do that in various ways. Or to make the matter of pro-life more complicated, I don't fault any Christian who has other matters that are automatically disqualifying. Does that make sense? You're talking so, about being a single-issue voter. Yeah, single-issue voter. I think, I think it was John Piper who first started saying, I'm a single-issue voter, um, but I've got many single issues. <laughs> and that sounds contrary, uh, it sounds contradictory, but it's, it's actually, it makes sense. It means that there are several quali- disqualifying issues that could remove a candidate from office. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who is pro-life, um, but dishonest and has that's been proven so, I can imagine someone saying that's disqualifying for me. And I think um, the point that you're getting to is when you're talking to somebody else, this is how we have to talk about politics, yeah. right? That we're we're wanting to understand somebody's the thoughts behind yeah. these positions that they've taken. And, and we can't be quick to jump to, this does not conform to my understanding of what the right thing is, therefore you must be bad. You right. know? Politics is all us trying to decide what is right. You know, Justice and righteousness are yeah. the same words. We're trying to think about what's right, and so we're trying to, um, we're, we're trying to get to that right end the same way. And just because it's not your way doesn't mean it's wrong, you know, yeah. that it's just a different conception of the right. You know, I think this is another really um, frustrating example of this that I see all the time is uh, that somebody somebody will say, oh, well, conservatives just don't care about poor people. And they will reduce it to something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when really it's, no, there's a difference of how to care for poor people. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's not that... This, just because you think your policies are the most caring or loving, that doesn't mean that somebody on the other side of the spectrum isn't trying to do the same things, which is help poor people. Yeah. But there's just a different means that they're trying to get to that. And we have to have sit down with somebody and say, help me understand how you got here. Help me understand what you're valuing, what you're thinking, what, what is that chess match that you're trying to play here? And here's where the scriptures both have sufficiency and liberty, mm-hmm. right? There are limitations to the scriptures. It doesn't speak to everything in the exact same way. So while the scriptures speak to life, uh, and murder, and even poverty, the scriptures don't spell out exactly how that should work in a polis, yeah. a city, a politic, um, or tell us exactly how to vote. Voting wasn't part of the Roman mm-hmm. world, um, so we shouldn't be surprised that the scriptures don't tell us exactly how to vote in American constitutional context. Yeah, back to the the, the idea of it being... Uh, maybe too important. I think one of you said, you know, does, do you really get worked up about politics? I think that's a, a really good test for us to to examine ourselves. Is if you're getting um, if you're getting worked up, uh, more worked up about you know the the Drudge Report of the day, um, then then you get you know worked up about the gospel. Or if you're sharing more uh, political propaganda on Facebook than you're sharing the gospel, then there's probably there's there's something out of balance there. That we that we need to guard against, and um, and something that you said, Chase, about uh, people will say conservatives don't care about the poor. 
that's that's something that you see a lot on social media. This this uh, taking a caricature of the worst uh, characteristics of the other side, mm. whatever that side is, and then attacking that. Mm. And f- for the most part, and Twitter is so good at this. Uh, for the most part, that that caricature that you're attacking. That's not where people really are. That's not where most people exist. Right. You're you're attacking an argument that that is a, an exaggeration. And I think that's a good exercise for somebody as you're engaging in something where there is disagreement, and it's okay to have disagreements. We're not mm-hmm. saying that we just need to not Kumbaya. talk about this. Yeah. yeah, but if you're disagreeing with somebody, even an imagined somebody, take a minute and and think in the in the best light how can you articulate their argument yeah. you know and this really goes back to conversations we've had about conscience before you know on on matters of conscience one of the first things you know that paul says is one person does this for the glory of god and somebody else does this for the glory of god so maybe take a minute and just think how could this person have this position to the glory of god and if i can articulate that then maybe i can engage with them rather than just saying they think that therefore they must just be evil or they must be unthoughtful or they must like they, that might be true, but you can't assume that going into it, and you need to try and phrase their argument in a way that yeah. it puts it in the best light. In media, does not uh, does not demonstrate this very well for no, us, does it? Not, no. So Fox News doesn't represent MSNBC very well, and MSNBC doesn't represent Fox News very well, and then you go to the extremes on your social media feeds. And it gets way, way worse. Uh, it, it's straw men. It's caricature. Uh, it's not the same thing as conversation with people across the table where you're hearing them say, no, 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 that's not what I meant. What that's I right. mean is, no, 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 hold on. Yeah. I'm not that. I, I'm, I'm saying this. Yeah, and that, yeah, we could say a word about uh, just our uh, news diet again, as we, we discussed on the race podcast and, and maybe even on our conspiracy theory episode. Uh, that we just have to be careful about uh, echo chambers and just following people that just confirm all the biases we have about every single issue. Um, I've been greatly helped to to read and follow on social media uh, some some good thinkers, good political thinkers and writers, and even brothers and sisters in Christ that I would disagree with politically. Um, it has really helped me understand and know what I know and know what I don't know mm. um, and and have that perspective. Uh, so I haven't had one-on-one conversations with these people, but it's ha- helped me just see there is another side to a lot of these things. Um, and and we have to be careful about just uh, listening to those voices that, that already align with what we think. And I think we should be careful too about if your opinions seem to line up entirely with a given political party or a position that there's not there's not any point where you're made uncomfortable by a politician or by their by their policies mm-hmm. then um then you might have made that the kingdom right like you might have yeah. owned That's all of those things political uh, identity yeah that, that yeah. i think jonathan lehman said it well that that a christian should never really feel at home in a political party yeah. you know we can we, we can are say, exiles yeah that we that we're just not of this world and yeah. so you're saying at, at a certain point this person's politics hasn't pushed up against your Christian values at any level. Like they're yeah. just a perfect example. I, I just that's yeah. that's not realistic. And if we can't critique our own side, yeah, um, then then we've yeah we're we're in danger of slipping into a, a political idolatry yeah. uh, possibly as well. Uh, that gets into something we talked about a little bit, Ryan, of this idea of two kingdoms. So could you talk to to us about about that idea? 
Yeah, uh, it's sometimes called the spirituality of the church. Uh, what it means is that the church should be the church and let politics be politics, um, let the state be the state. It doesn't mean by that that um, there's never any overlap. Um, the state tells us how many people can meet inside this building as a church, um, and we're glad to honor that. It, it tells us how many parking spots we need for how many seats that we have inside the building. We're glad to honor that. In fact, we have to, yeah. <laughs> or else we won't. How many sprinklers uh, we need yeah. throughout the building? Yeah. Things like that. So there, that's where there's overlap. But I mean, as far as the church being the church, um, there are two kingdoms under God's rule. Yes, it's all mm -hmm. under His rule, uh, all part of His world. This is my Father's world. Um, but 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 the rules aren't the same in those two kingdoms, and we can't think that they are. We yeah. can't think that the one is advanced. By the other or with the other necessarily, it's it's easier in some ways to keep those um, a little more distinct. Mm -hmm. uh, now, there's another way to look at things um, called transformationalism, um, and this means that you know Jesus Christ is Lord over everything, and He continues to put His fingerprints and make them more evident in all of creation. And I say yes and amen to the best version of transformationalism. We do want to transform this whole world for Christ and to let our light shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Um, however, to think that the politics of this world are advanced inside the church or uh, that the politics of this world needs the church and in many other ways in which those two kingdoms could co-mingle in a bad way, I think uh, we just got to be careful. Sure. There's a reason the Reformers spoke of uh, both two kingdoms and just to get different language is the spirituality of the church. Yeah. And I think with that idea of the two kingdoms, really one of the reasons that that's threatened right now is because the, the kingdom of government has kind of abrogated to itself a religious quality. And I think as Christians, we need to be really on guard for that, that even this comes through in the media, that this is why politics can feel too important is because it's presented like this is totalizing. This is everything. Everything is political, you know, from who's in the White House to which chicken sandwich you eat, that it's just tried to make everything this, this kind of, yeah, 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 everything is this, has this religio-political quality to it that as Christians, we just have to remember, you know, that we're not of this world. And so right. even though everything that is political in our life is screaming to us that we need to care about this, like it matters, this is of supreme importance, mm -hmm. everything is a matter of uh, religious devotion. And we say, no, we're, we're devoted to Jesus. And, right. and I think an, an outcome of two kingdoms theology is I just want the government to do less than what it's trying to just do, leave right? Us just, alone. just leave yeah, us alone. Right. You, you know, I think you said it that we want the government to build roads so that we can get to church. Yeah. You know, we we just want small government that stays out of our heart that keeps us safe, and then we get to live peaceful and quiet lives, which, which is what That's Paul right. tells us to pray for, so that we can just do the spiritual work that That's we're right. called to do. Yeah, our politics as Christians starts with the statement that Jesus is King, mm -hmm. and so that has to inform and shape and supersede. Everything else, all of our other politics. Uh, that's really good, guys. A good transition also to the next question that's related to a lot of what we've already talked about. But how involved should Christians be in politics? Um, can, can a Christian run for public office? Yes. And, and how high can, can a Christian 
legitimately be the president of the United States, or do they have to make compromises along the way? I mean, is it is the system so broken? Because a lot of people would view it that way, right? They yeah. would say that politics is so corrupt, but in in its very nature, that Christians we must withdraw, hmm. right? Yeah. And I think faithful brothers would disagree. Yeah, on I this. wouldn't say must. I think I'd have a hard time in my conscience doing that, just because I think it would require a lot of. I, I think I just have too strong of convictions about certain things that okay. I wouldn't yeah, be yeah. able to. I to think it's hard that. to be successful as a politician these days, as a, a Christian with a lot of conviction. Um, but, yeah. but I say go for it. Amen. <laughs> we need more of that. Amen. We need people, um, and, that, and that's where transformationalism at its best is right. We want Christians in every sphere of that's God's right. creation doing um, his best for it. Yeah. Um, so, so should Christians be more involved? Indeed, some should. Uh, you know, I, as I think about high schoolers in our church uh, going off to college, eventually they're going to have grown-up jobs. What are they going to do? I hope some go into law. I hope some go into education. I hope some go into politics yeah. um, and represent Christ well in those contexts. Um, sadly, we, we see less and less of it today because I think it's harder and harder for uh, an honest man with conviction to keep those convictions and have great success yeah. level after level. But I'm all for it. Yeah. You, you said represent. Um, I, I, I can just lay out these, these four categories, and you guys can interact with these. Um, I got these from Jonathan Lehman's book, uh, How the Nations Rage. Um, so there's, there's four um, uh, ideas of how Christians uh, could be involved uh, with politics. One is escapism. And we've kind of addressed that a little bit of just so put, not involved, not involved at all. Yeah. Bury your head in the sand and just let let the cards fall how they may. Um, and we're not we're not uh, we're not supporting uh, that uh, position. The other side of that, the other extreme to that, is utopianism, where we can basically bring heaven down to earth through political means, which I think is transformationalism at its worst. Yeah, yes, right. You know, that you think, oh, if we just no got two the kingdom. No, yeah, if we got the right people there. in office and we got the right people in the right spheres of cultural yes. influence, then we'd bring the kingdom now. Yes. Which you can see the 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 downfalls of of that idea when you don't get your politician in the place where you wanted, um, then that can crush your your hopes and dreams for the future mm-hmm. um, when everything is, when all of your hope is laid up in a politician or a party or even one particular policy that will fail you. Um, so, so yeah, utopianism uh, would be, would be dangerous. Uh, kind of a middle of the road would be a compromise of just going along to get along of not rocking the boat. Of Pragmatic just kind of, approach. Exactly. Following the waves the trends and the, the winds uh, of the times, mm-hmm. uh, to just, uh, yeah, to be, at, say peace, peace when there is no peace. Which is probably I think. really just another kind of escapism. You're still trying to just yeah. keep your head down. But and, you could be perceived well, as be fully engaged in yeah. politics, though. I, I would mm, say a lot of our um, representatives and senators do that. They, they, I actually think, yeah, you see a there's lot. There's less conviction and there's more what the populace, mm. what, yeah. what my constituents Yeah, they've want. just got their ear to the ground and they're uh, I forget who said it, but basically they're they're seeing where the crowd's going, and then they're running ahead to try to lead yeah. them there. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, there, there go 
the people, I must join them because I am their leader. Because I'm their leader, exactly. <laughs> so I think that's, that's a bit of compromise. Um, and then I think the best version of how Christians can be involved in politics is representation. And what that means is we're ambassadors. We're ambassadors of another kingdom, of a heavenly king mm. um, who is ruling and reigning at the Father's side. And we can represent him in every area of life, uh, not least of which in politics. Um, whether we're a professional politician, uh, a uh, fully engaged politician, or whether we just live our lives quietly and peaceably and try to love God and love our neighbors. We talked about abortion being wrong and that Christians should all uh, embrace the statement that, that abortion is wrong. But how we handle abortion or how you uh, use your vote to uh, to work within the political system, uh, there's there's nuance there. Mm-hmm. There's complexity there. Not for some people. For some people, it's very black and white. For others, not so much. So here's the question. Can a Christian in good conscience vote for a pro-choice candidate? Well, I'll start answering that by simply referring to what I've already um, spoken to in this regard. Um, a person can have legitimate disqualification matters for any candidate. Mm-hmm. So, in, in hopefully, pro-choice is one of them. Um, but, but there are other issues involved, yeah. and some may choose to simply vote for the candidate that is more pro-life than the one who's less. Um, another one might say, okay, uh, here's what is or is not possible to change. Um, you know, many will, would celebrate uh, the judges that uh, came under President Trump uh, and could perhaps feel more secure about a, a Democratic president in the next election, having had five Supreme, four, I guess, Supreme Court justices uh, replaced under Trump's watch. Um, so here's where we just want to think through carefully on our own what we're going to do, what we think is right, mm-hmm. um, and not fault someone who takes a slightly different approach or is looking at this in a more complicated manner than just there are two switches to pull and you should always pull the pro-life one. That's it. End of stop. Right. Yeah. So if a pro or if a Democratic candidate um, is supporting policies A, B, and C, and policy A is is abortion in his pro-choice uh, policies, uh, but you're really into policies B and C. So you could see where a Christian could could vote um, and be pro-life themselves and say, I don't like policy A, but I really, I really support policy B and C. Um, so you could see that. You could see that line of thinking, that moral reasoning of of voting for a candidate based on other policies while still maintaining that they're pro-life and even working in other ways to, uh, to further pro-life uh, policies and, and yeah. laws. Yeah, I think, you know, we're trying to, again, if you think your vote is a strategic, or you're, you're voting on a strategy to bring about the most good in our public sphere. And so then you could kind of think about all of these different issues as kind of all weights that are in a balance, yeah. you know? And so you could say, yeah, abortion brings about a lot of evil, but then there might be other policies that I think bring about a lot of good. And then you're just doing kind of math and Moral it's math. hard math. Yeah. It's complex. There's not any easy answers to this, but I could see someone, 
I, I might I would probably argue with them, honestly. Sure. But I could see someone saying, I think, yeah, abortion is really bad, but there's a net good that comes through these other policies that this other side is not supporting. And so I'm going to vote that way. Again, I might not think that that is very wise, but sure. I trust that they're doing that because they are trying to glorify God and bring about good. That's right. And and that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And so then we can agree and take this posture of I, I love you and I love that you're trying to glorify God and and I can we can disagree on this matter of conscience. Now let's sit down and get a coffee and let's talk about yeah why I think these policies are actually more good, you know, and, and whatever. Yeah, and we're going to talk about how we can interact with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ um, that have different politics. Um, but y- what you just said, Chase, made me think that we have turned all of our p- political opponents into political enemies. Mm. Uh, so political opponents are somebody to be to be you know defeated in the political realm, uh, but political enemies are to be destroyed. Mm. So we must mm. we must destroy them. So that's that's kind of where we where we've gone in the last uh, several decades of of politics in our country. Um, now I'm going to speak out of the other side of my mouth. So I just talked about policies A, B, and C, and how you can be for policies B and C, but against policy A. Um, so I'm going to talk out the other side of my mouth now and say, but really. Like you said, Ryan, your vote is a yes or no vote. You don't get to vote uh, on whether he, this candidate pursues policy A or not. You've, your vote for him means you're voting for all the policies that that politician will pursue. So, And the ones they didn't announce, but then after, after being elected, right. they'll pursue. Right. So, so we, we just, again, it's complex yeah. is what I'm trying to get yeah. at. And, that's and I, I understand to, both sides of it. And that's why I go back to... Uh, if you agree with everything that a political party says or a, po- a politician does, then there's probably something wrong there. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not Jesus, you know, and and that's not necessarily what we're looking for or hoping in, you know. And so there's always going to be con- – that wisdom is applying God's word and then observations and knowledge to a world that God created but that's fallen. It's not perfect. We're not going to expect it to be perfect. And, yeah, so I, I think – I, I I think a lot of our problem in terms of politics is that we have oversimplified everything and not admitted that this is complex in a fallen world. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Well, I I vote for Jesus. I write in Jesus on every ballot. He I've is ever... already elected. That's right. He's so, already installed on right. his throne. Yeah. That's right. Amen. Um, just kidding. I don't do that. I think part of the problem is that we think too much of our vote. That sounds un-American. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the most controversial thing I'll say here. I think we think too much of our vote and we think too little of the sovereignty of God. There you go. And I think we'd be really helped out by thinking in terms of, okay, um, by the way, what I'm going to say about voting doesn't mean we shouldn't vote, but let's just be real. Uh, I voted in the last presidential election and I'm in New Mexico and it wasn't going to be close. It wasn't going to be close. And I knew that going into it, yeah. and I could have stayed home because what's the point? I didn't stay home. Mm-hmm. But I also know, <laughs> come on, I know how this works. Yeah. Uh, we have 50 states, and states are electoral colleges. They, they mm-hmm. represent electoral colleges. So um, keep in mind, in our system, we, we think that the voting experience is almost uh, sacred, yeah, or an extension of yourself, a reflection of yourself. Yeah. yeah political identity, again. Yeah. I think we think too much of it. Yeah. Um, so, again, that sounds uh, perhaps un-American or unpatriotic, yeah. 
but I'll say it. I, I think some of us could chill out a little bit about um, our vote. Yeah. Uh, and then I think we should think more about the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and and so if it's in, if the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, yeah, then so is the uh, election of uh, all smaller officials as well. Yeah. Um, God's in this. He has purposes. He, he's he's been faithful to his church, and Jesus is building his church in days of Democratic presidents and Republican presidents, and in days before those parties existed. Um, I just think we we need to really lean into the sovereignty of God, especially in politically uncertain and politically charged kind of times that we're in. Um, and then again, that shouldn't lead to fatalism. That doesn't mean we don't vote. That doesn't mean we don't care. It doesn't mean we don't study policy or think through someone's platform issues. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we really can trust what God is doing and, um, and know that he's faithful to his church. We're, we, we are not one vote away from the extinction of yeah. the church. That's right. <laughs> That's impossible. Yeah. Mark Dever said, America is the experiment, but the church is a certainty. That's great. Um, and yeah, while you were talking, Ryan, just made me think, yeah, sometimes we just need to throw some biblical water on these political fires and just let our reasonableness be known to all yeah. in, in this. And and that segues really well into our next question. What does the Bible say about politics, um, if anything? And what does it say about who we should vote for? Is it going to tell me who to vote for? Well, I'll do the first part of that, and then Chase will do the second part. The first part, what does the Bible say about politics? It doesn't speak of politics per se, but it speaks of government. Yeah. Uh, so Romans 13 uh, is a key passage. Um, praying, we've already referred to this, praying for those in authority that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life. Yeah. Uh, that's 1 Timothy 2. Uh, in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I think each of them has that encounter with uh, the religious le- leaders and Jesus where they challenge him, say, should you pay taxes to mm-hmm. Caesar? And uh, Jesus says, um, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. Yeah. And uh, and so I think some lines are, I mean, political analysis has been done on Jesus's famous saying there and just showing it to be so profound, mm-hmm. so simple, yet so profound and covering so much ground. Um, so that's what the Bible says about government. Proverbs also speaks of governments uh, in various ways. Uh, we don't do well to take what God said to national Israel in the Old Testament and translate it to the U.S. today. Yep. Any of those, mis- any of those um, uh, moves from from Old Testament Israel to the U.S. today are just really troublesome missteps. Um, so those are the, the yeah. those are the data points in the Bible regarding politics and government. So Chase, who should we vote for? <laughs> well, uh, they didn't vote when the Bible was written, so it doesn't tell you who to vote for. Um, who was the first guy you voted for? Kinky Friedman. Kinky Friedman. There you yeah, go. For there governor, you go, folks. governor of Texas. He, <laughs> did you have a pin on your shirt? I did not have a Kinky Friedman, Friedman pin. I think I had a sticker. I might have okay. had a sticker. Yeah. I have never voted for someone that's won in my entire <laughs> political life. You're, you're batting point zero zero. Nobody yes. wants you on their, no, on their don't, ticket. That's right. Just don't. If you want to win, get with somebody else. Uh, no, but the Bible does say that we are to be a just people. Yeah. yeah that, that, um, justified people 
as we've been justified and made right with God, we try to do justice. And that's yeah. according to the Bible's definition of justice. Um, and and I think that that in the first century would have meant just people living in a remarkably countercultural way um, that that pushed against the, you know, we're going to be in Titus in the Lord's Supper service, and, and it pushes against the ungodliness and the worldly passions of the people around them that instead they're self-controlled, upright, and godly. And uh, that was all the church did. You know, that was really the, the power that they had was just to be in charge of their own virtue as a community and then be a community that exhibited that justice and even sacrificial love for people in need and compassion. So then I think you extend that to, in one way, your vote is just a vote for justice. You know, you're just yeah. trying to think. And again, that's not simple. What is just is... You're talking yeah. capital J, justice as defined. Yeah. Yeah, by, by God, by yeah, by God, word. and and so you are kind of you're you're just trying to think with uh, the wisdom that God provides, which I think we need to pray for when it comes to matters of politics. Mm-hmm. That you're trying to vote in a way that you think will promote the most justice in our society, and lots of people can answer that question a lot of different ways. Yeah, you mentioned wisdom. James three speaks to that uh, that we need wisdom from above uh, that comes from comes from God. It says wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. I want us to think about this in, in context of our political interactions. Peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, like holy smokes, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Um, yeah, you don't, you don't hear that verse quoted a whole lot at yeah. political rallies. Right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we, we just, that needs to be our. Our posture, our character as God, as as God's church, as uh, as the Church of Christ, um, and and how we represent Him to the world. Um, and you mentioned voting justice. Yeah, I got Micah six eight here. Mm-hmm. Right, that's that's a really good marching orders for how we interact politically. Uh, Micah six says, uh, "He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness." and to walk humbly with your God. Can I say something on that? Yeah. Uh, Because I think there's a lot of talk about justice in our culture right now. and um, Like social justice. Social justice, yeah. And and I think in in the church right now, some of us have gotten really good at pointing out what is wrong with the world's definition of justice, which I think is right. Um, I think there there are some... Uh, I think there are some missteps and even some foundational mistakes that people in our society can make when they're talking about justice and saying what it means to do justice. And so, but 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 I'm afraid that as we as a church have maybe gotten really good at talking about what's wrong with the world's definition of justice, that we have not focused on being what the Bible defines as justice, you know, in doing justice, which I think does extend to neighborliness. You know, I think it does extend to compassion for people that are in need yeah. that we have power to help. You know, mm-hmm. that's not a that's not an SJW comment. That's I think what the Bible has in mind when it talks about Jesus having riches and seeing us in poverty and becoming poor for our sake. I think we should ask ourselves, okay, I don't agree with the world's definition of justice, but Jesus is calling me to justice. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, politics are really important, um, and if they're so important and they affect so much of our lives, um, why don't we hear more about politics from the pulpit at Desert Springs? 
We do when we're in a passage that speaks to it. Um, so you mentioned passages on justice. Before that, I mentioned passages on God and government. So we have to, I think, sort of check uh, our desires um, and what some other churches might do with what we see the the key people in the Bible doing. So Jesus, does Jesus talk about politics? Uh, yeah, it, I've mentioned those passages in Matthew, Mark, and Luke where he speaks of giving to Caesar what is Caesar's. Um, does Paul speak of politics? Yeah, I, I mentioned Romans 13, the, the longest section in the Bible uh, devoted to government, um, secular government. Uh, what you don't see them doing is commenting on every issue or every civil leader. Um, Paul makes no mention of Nero specifically, even though that that was pretty big news. That that was that was headline dominating stuff. What Nero was doing, not least because of what he was doing to Christians. Uh, and Paul talks about persecution in general without talking about Caesar specifically or Nero. Um, Jesus too. Jesus isn't talking about the comings and goings of Caesars. Uh, he's just talking about things that are timeless. Um, I think that's what needs our attention. We need what is timeless. The church needs the gospel. The church Amen. needs what the Bible says over and over again. Uh, you, you don't need me to tell you uh, what you should think about immigration per se, or especially this bond on whether the city should pay for this park or not. Um, I mean, it really gets absurd what some churches are willing to comment on and get behind. Um, and of course, for some, it's just about, uh, you know, national leaders or things of that sort where they feel like they need to um, endorse that. I just don't see it in the Bible. I don't see Jesus or Paul or Peter or anyone else doing that kind of thing in the Bible. And um, I'm not sure we should either them. And I think that speaks, to, again, to the politicization of everything in our society. And I'm really glad to be at a church that it, in some ways it's like a healthy removal from yeah. that that atmosphere, that that climate, you know, where it's like, you know what, I can come into church and this stuff, it's not to say that the other stuff doesn't matter, this isn't escapism, but this is a time set aside to think about things that are eternal, you know, and yeah. think about the vision that Daniel has of the kingdoms. They all fall. They all fall down to the, the giant rock that is Jesus in the kingdom of God that crushes these other earthly kingdoms. And yeah. it's good for us to just set that stuff aside and think about that rock for a while. Yeah, I think of the church service uh, in terms of Hebrews 12, you have come to Mount Zion. I mean, mm -hmm. every Lord's Day is coming together, and we can't really see this invisible world uh, going on, but Hebrews 12 says it's there, mm. that we are worshiping with angels and saints of yeah. old. Mm. We are joining the presence of God in a spiritual Mount Zion every Sunday. And, and to, to muddy that up with uh, really relatively small things mm -hmm. like... You should vote for this guy and not that girl or something. Mm -hmm. um, man, we've just missed out on encounters with the angels and the throne of God. And again, yeah. it's not to say that that other stuff doesn't matter. It's right. to say how much more That's right. the kingdom of God matters. Yeah. 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 Each Sunday is a, a political rally where we gather together to, to declare Jesus King um, and to recognize one another as citizens of a, of mm -hmm. a kingdom, uh, a greater kingdom. Uh, yeah, so why would we 
oh, we waste our time on these uh, on these lesser things. I'm I'm thankful, Ryan, that you don't uh, you don't hijack the pulpit for political agendas or preaching the headlines. Um, but and that's why we're doing this podcast uh, because there is a time to speak to these things. Right. And we are Christians, and we live in this world. We are not removed from this world yet. So. Uh, we're, we're going to try to live in it as, as faithfully as we can. And for that matter, pastoral prayers are a time on Sunday morning when we really try to um, connect heaven to the soil that our feet are planted on. Yeah. So what happened this week? What's on our minds? What's going on in our nation, in our city? We want to pray for those things. Yeah. But uh, it's best to leave that for something like a pastoral prayer um, and, and not let it drive a sermon um, or a, a pastoral personality and uh, a ministry. Yeah, that's a good exhortation as well, just to be praying for our public leaders in general uh, and to be praying for our political, quote-unquote, enemies and opponents. Pray for those who persecute you. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think if I took inventory, I haven't prayed for uh, many politicians that I disagree with. Um, I've only just dismissed them mm. or rejected them or and some sometimes malign them. So, uh, Lord, help us with that. Um, so, guys, let's let's jump now to resources uh, that our people could could get their hands on to help them think about these things further. I mentioned uh, how the nations rage. Jonathan Lehman uh, wrote that. It's a that's a really helpful book. Uh, Lehman also co-wrote with Andy Nacelli a little booklet called "How to Love." Uh, church members with different politics. I've read it. I've passed it around. It's so good. Um, I think it's really helpful. So, Chase, you you touched on that earlier on how we can show charity and and uh, and kindness to to those in our midst. But one word on that quickly, and I think I've heard Lehman say this, but actually, healthy churches probably should have differing political views in them. If you're at a church where everybody votes the same way on every issue, then your church might not be growing. It might not be very healthy. This idea that the church should have young believers in and and believers from all different ethnicities and and political backgrounds, uh, I think, is a good thing and a healthy thing. So we should encounter in a healthy church political differences, and this booklet really helps us navigate that. Yeah, those are liberty of conscience issues, and that's a place uh, that's that's a matter we have covered in the Bible. Romans fourteen speaks to speaks of liberty of conscience, um, a book that we went through as a staff. Um, and have encouraged others to read is really relevant, uh, not dealing with politics directly, but uh, certainly affecting politics, especially today. It's by uh, Andy Nacelli, uh, co-authored with J.D. Crowley, and it's called Conscience, What It Is, How to Train It, and Loving Those Who Differ. So especially someone who feels really charged up about those who would disagree with them on political issues, that's a must read. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, appreciate you guys taking the time. Uh, pray the Lord blesses uh, this talk and blesses uh, the talks that will possibly come from this talk. Um, and if you have any questions, you want to reach out to us, you can do that. Uh, email info at dscabq.com, or if you know any of our emails, just reach out to us. and We'd love to go sit down, have a coffee with you, and discuss this stuff further, because like I said earlier, there's much more that could be said, but maybe uh, this will help you uh, think through it a little more more carefully, biblically, uh, and gently as we live our lives uh, together. So for now, that's all. Let's keep spreading God's glory broader and deeper.
episode, guys. I don't think we said anything stupid. Chill out with that stuff. Put put politics. Put put politics. So political. Hip hop eponymous. All complaints send to Drew at yep. dscabq.com. Kinky Friedman.